0: Beer, 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 gently beer, beer, beer,
1: Thanks for listening to Grand Craft Beer, Ben's premier beer podcast, exploring everything beer in Central Oregon with your host, who's a Cicerone and the author of Oregon Breweries, Brian Yeager.
2: Hello and welcome to Grand Craft Bend. This is Brian Yeager. And today I'm super excited to be joined by Robin and Todd Clement, owners of Monkless Brewing, or do we say Monkless Brosery,
0: monkless Belgian ales. Monkless Belgian ales.
1: Yes.
2: Now, the people listening uh, don't quite know this yet, but I happen to be working on what I think is a really fun story for the source uh, coming out next week, and it's on the breweries here in Bend owned by couples, by married couples, such as yourselves. I've been getting so many really awesome stories, but I love you guys. Like you guys have such a a <laughs> True. It's like adorable, but it's also very true and real. So let's start off with. Just let's just like way back. Where did you guys meet? Because I know you guys got married at a pretty early age, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Todd, you were twenty-two. Robin, you were twenty. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Early age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Where Where was that?
1: Well, we started dating when I was 16, I guess, and um, we met through a mutual friend, actually, that I I was working with. I was working on campus over at Stanislaus State University, which is where Todd was doing his undergrad work, and um, I had a friend over there that I worked with and uh, introduced me to him, and, you know, it was kind of love at first sight, kind (laughs) of, you know? (laughs) <laughs> in case, <laughs> in case the mic that. didn't pick
2: that yeah. we got a little sure. uh a little snort out of Todd there
1: but yeah we uh, uh, you know we met uh we met at Stanislaus State and and uh
0: yeah I was uh just starting undergrad um she was still in high school yeah. that's oh <laughs> we're on the radio I, theater, I, but,
2: you're married yeah. for 32 plus years you've raised two good kids I think we're we're past any uh, any yeah. of those issues <laughs> yeah <laughs> and obviously two years apart not not uh
1: not a huge, yeah. Not a huge. No, camp. no yeah.
2: red lines that were were crossed, <laughs> but so obviously young love, and then, I mean, here's the thing about the beer world: we, you, no one knows this better than you guys. We live in an era where craft beer might as well just be a long way of saying IPA, and yet, monkless Belgian ales does not, has not, and are you going to go on record as saying will not ever make an IPA. Well,
0: (laughs) it's not technically true. So we um, we do a a Belgian style Imperial IPA. It's called Benefaction. It's um, it's out. We have some right now, actually. Um, It's a once a year beer. Um, We do that as part of the Ales for ALS program. So um, proceeds, a dollar per pint or two dollars per four pack, Uh, go back to ALS research for that. And you basically get a hot blend from them. Um, That's really. It's really tailored for that kind of beer, sure. for an IPA or dry hopping, generally. Generally speaking, so that's why we kind of chose, why we kind of chose that style. Uh, but we, you know, we do that once a year. And is it
2: an American IPA or is it a Belgian IPA with Belgian
0: yeast? Well, we use Bel- Yeah, we use uh, one of our house yeast strains to to ferment that beer. Uh, you get a, a bit of the Belgian yeast character to it. Uh, but I, I would say for the most part, it's it's do- it's double dry hopped. It's 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 pretty dominated by the Eels Frails hot blend each year. But the cool thing about it is it changes every year, so it's a different hot blend every year. So the beer really changes every year, even though it's the same base recipe. It's pretty cool.
2: But I also love the story, the the little tagline as it were, on uh capitulation. Yeah. It's your Belgian triple. Now by the way, I'm I'm gonna jump all over the place here, but do you say triple or do you say triple? Triple. Thank triple. you. Triple. Because it means triple. <laughs> yeah, I, I I will never argue with someone, especially someone who owns a, a Belgian forward, you know, brewery, but uh, sometimes when people correct me and they say Trappel, I'm like, mm, I think I think we're past that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah or Dubbel or yeah Dutch. I guess. But so let's also just to to sort of set the stage here. You fall in love with each other, and then you fall in love with Belgian ales. T- let's let's tell that story because that's a good one too.
0: Yeah, that was mostly my fault.
2: Um, <laughs> Way to take the blame. You know, not <laughs> as a husband, I know, you know that's not easy to say that out yeah, loud.
0: You, you love what you love. And um, <laughs> I, I started traveling a lot once we moved to Bend in 2004. Uh, to Belgium, every year I was going to see customers. And uh, my, on my first trip in 2004, end of 2004, September of 2004, uh, my, really my first real exposure significantly to Belgian beers, Belgian style ales, like Trappist Abbey style ales, those, those particularly. Um, and I, I just couldn't get enough of them. So, um, I mean that was really my fault. Um, <laughs> it uh, it ended up good. Um, I love a good IPA though. Sure. Um, I just feel like you know I've always felt like there's so so many of them, so many great ones out there uh, that that there was really no need for me to go brew them. Um, as, you know as a as a as a as a goal, uh, but there weren't really the presence of of a really great. Uh, a substantial amount of Abbey Trappist style ales, triples, doubles, quads uh, wasn't here.
2: And now, also, I first of all, just even the name Monkless, right? You're you're not saying we're you're not putting on airs and saying, oh, you know, all the people in the cloister, uh, you know, all the the monks in the back are are working on these in between fasting and uh, doing whatever <laughs> you know Trappist monks do. Not let say that Trappist monks are from Belgium, it just so happens that a lot of them are in Belgium, and even then, it was because they all got kicked out of France, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the history of the Cistercian Order of, you know, uh, we we could have a whole discussion. Uh, but to you, is it, are are Belgian ales? Are, are you really enamored with the beers that come from that monastic tradition? But at the same time, you have. Uh, a couple of wit beers you have. Mm-hmm. How do you even pronounce this? shopping Coffign.
1: <laughs> Sheppel
2: Coffign. Yeah, is your your Belgian wit beer? But then you have the much easier to pronounce Imperial uh, Peppercorn Imperial peppercorn and Im- Imperial what, we, wit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, so those are not from the monastic tradition. Right. Uh, you do the occasional saison and sort of n- other non-Trappist, non-abbey style, and mm-hmm. and and then just to get into this, abbey ale. All Trappist ales are abbey ales, but an abbey ale is basically not from a approved Cistercian Correct. abbey. <laughs> Correct. So right. that are your, your singles, uh, doubles, Bernardus. triples, quadruples. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, just because I said I'm going to be jumping around, you guys have a quintuple coming out. Yeah. And, Todd, I think this is your quote. Please, do you remember what you had said about the quintuple, that it's not so much a style?
0: Yeah. it's a. it's, a, well, it's not much a beer, beer style, but a, a lifestyle. Yeah. Not
2: so much a beer style, but a lifestyle. And what can you tell us about, even then, where do we get single, double, triple, mm-hmm and then this sort of fantastic fan you know quintuple what, what for the, for for the people who they've seen these what does that mean cuz they're not the same color they're not the same
0: abv they're no. not the
2: same flavor profile
0: well and that's kind of the what there were you you, you can hear sometimes people talk about the number of times the beer has been fermented but that's not doesn't seem to make any sense to me um because you can have secondary fermentation in a bottle, that kind of thing. But if you've got a quad, um, you, you're not fermenting that four times. So right. realistically, it seems to, uh, the only thing that seems to work for me in terms of what the naming why that came about is because it's an increasing alcohol content. Um, so if you have a, a single is, is, is lower alcohol than a double, than a, than a triple, than a, than a quad. And so it increases all along that scale.
2: But whereas an IPA, it, it, let's say, for example, you have a double IPA, in theory, you've boosted the malt bill Correct. and the hot bill. Um, maybe you've had to bring in a, a more powerful yeast strain. But the difference between a double and a triple and a quad, again, these are different SRMs in the beer world, just yeah. means different color. But mm-hmm. uh, there, it's not like a triple is... I don't know, 50% more than a double.
0: <laughs> no, 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 not necessarily. Um, but there's all ranges for it all. I mean, the Belgians really don't have, if you go buy Belgian beer, go buy um, beers from um, from Rochefort, for example, they have three dark beers that they brew, um, the, uh, the 6, the 8, and the 10. Um, and... The 6 is around 7%, 7.2, I want to say, maybe 7.6. The 8 is um, a little over 9, and then the 10 is like 11.2. But they they don't refer, Rochefort doesn't refer to any of those as a double or a quad or mm-hmm. anything like that. So I, we as Americans, kind of as a broader community, tend to have this need to, to label something. We do, and, yes. You know, and I don't think Belgians just don't really... Care about that? They label it when they're shipping it to the United States, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because they want somebody to know kind of what it is, or at least recognize it from a style perspective.
2: And how many house yeast strains are you working with?
0: Um, excluding the what we use for our saison three. All right.
2: And is it the same one? Because you know, you as you're mentioning these these ABVs, and you're getting up into double digits. Personally, uh I love having a, a snifter of something that's maybe in that range. But if I want to do some beer drinking, especially at Monkless, I'm going for the brothers beer. What what is the A B V on that? It's under five, yeah, it's right? Four point eight. Exactly. So four point eight.
1: I think that's a super common misperception, right, is that Belgian beers just as a category and in general are really, really high mm-hmm. ABV beers, and it's really not the case at all. Um, there's a lot of styles. I, many of them are very hardy, right, but uh, there's, you know, we've got a great, um, like, a Belgian single, a uh, Pills. All of those things, the saisons, those are all really moderate in ABV, so um, can still be super approachable. But I think that's a real common misperception that you brought up, Brian, because um, people just really think, oh, God, I can't drink those. And uh, there's a lot of choices out there for different types to choose from that'll fit whatever somebody's looking for from a drink drinking perspective.
2: And before I butcher the name of the Whitbeer again, <laughs> Say the name, but also there's a story behind it. I believe it's a mm-hmm. portmanteau of of three different surnames. Is
1: yeah. that yeah? It, Four. It, it's Sheple Coffigan. <laughs> Um, and it's actually a concatenation of four of our friends' last names: um, Sheets, Apple, Inalcoffer, and Dugan. Sheppel again. Sheppelkoff again is how that gets uh, pulled together. But um, you know, the guys would come over and uh, be hanging out, and they were drinking these really high ABV beers that Todd would make, and um, they were. These are coors light drinkers Mm. normally. So it was a little much for them. They'd be passed out around the dinner table, you know, come 8 o'clock. So um, They They couldn't
2: even pronounce Shepelkoff again. No, they couldn't. After two of those.
1: (laughs) And they encouraged him to make something that was a little lighter ABV that could be drank. But I love um, that instead
2: of going in the faux Coors Light direction, you said, all right, I'm going to do your session strength ABV, but we're going to go super- Belgian with it,
0: yeah, totally, totally. Um, that's that's really that was really the only decision, the only the only option in my view. You know, there was just wasn't. A, there's not a need to go any other direction for me. And um, right I know it's not an Abbey or Trappist style like you're saying, but as as wit beers. But I mean, you can look at St Bernardus; they have a fantastic wit beer. Certainly. Um, so there's just it's about it's for me really more a, a around the Belgian tradition and and beers that are that are commonly. Uh, brewed in Belgium. Um, other than you start thinking about lambics and things like that, I haven't gotten into that kind of thing. But
2: um, yeah, yeah. I, w- I did want to ask about that yeah. because when I think about the Belgian influence on American craft brewing, which is actually so much bigger than I think even non-Belgian leaning breweries give them credit for, because you know for the longest time we were sort of stuck in that maybe if if not Reinheitsgebot mm-hmm. mind frame of Beer could only have four classic ingredients like the Germans do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly big inspiration from the Germans, huge inspiration from English pub ales. But it was the Belgians who sort of taught us, guess what? You could be super creative. You could be original. You could use adjuncts, Mm -hmm. culinary adjuncts. And especially this ties in with not just Belgian, Monkless Belgian ales, but the Monkless Brasserie, your restaurant that serves all of your Belgian ales, but then this really great Belgian and sort of continental menu. And I'm going to go on the record and saying, I've never understood why there aren't more Belgian restaurants in America. (laughs) You have the occasional French influenced restaurant. There's so little in the way of Belgian cuisine. And yet, just like with beer, they slay, they absolutely kill it. You will not eat better than on a trip across Belgium yeah so thank you right let me just <laughs> thank you guys for bringing some of those dishes here um, but what what was that like like when you opened the, by the way what year did the brosery open
1: 2009 October night uh, October 29th 2019 so four months before the pandemic hit
2: mm, great timing <laughs>
1: yeah great timing. Hor- horrible
2: crystal ball but uh, <laughs> great timing um, what are some of the dishes that uh, have proven most popular there.
1: Oh wow! I mean, hands down, the mussels, um, uh, mussels and frites uh, is is a staple um, over there that that has been on since day one. Um, we've got some pretty sick uh, Belgian uh, Liège waffles, Ooh, and yeah. so we do a really great um, Belgian inspired chicken and waffles dish. Um, I've had it so good. The um, uh, Schnitzel, yeah, schnitzel. Our Belgian meatballs, the frikadellen are fan favorites. So, we we use those uh, for special events and bring them out. When
2: now, you say schnitzel, like, like to me, I think that yeah. is a very German or yeah. you know Austrian. Uh, well, Belgian cuisine other...
1: very influenced by French and German cuisine. I mean, you get a lot of that kind of pulled into it. So, even a little bit of an Indian influence in some of the Belgian it. cuisine as well. So, you'll find that really frequently traveling through Belgium.
2: When I think about Belgium, rather when I've taught about Belgian beers, I have kind of used this phrase that Belgium is the geopolitical center square of tic-tac-toe of of this, you know, every time a war breaks out from Napoleonic Wars to Germanic, you know, modern twentieth century wars. If you want to go invade some other country, you kind of gonna. You might not want Belgium, but you're gonna to have to traipse through Belgium.
1: Yeah, very true. No one was
2: like, "Let's go take <laughs> over that ag, those agrarians in Central <laughs> Europe." But if they had to go through there, and as such, they were picking up cues from Belgian brewers, Belgian cooks as well, and then of course they're leaving their footprint on it, on them. So maybe mm-hmm. that's why schnitzel. Yeah. Goes so well with uh, with Belgian beers. Is that did I make that up? Is that is that fairly accurate? Do, I I job? think it pairs <laughs> great,
1: actually. So, yeah.
0: yeah. It's definitely more. Obviously, you'd think of it more as German, for sure. Um, so, I mean, I think we do we do a bit of a mix there of of um, more of a European menu, I would say, than than specifically Belgian. But we pick out some really good pieces that aren't that aren't that aren't Belgian, for sure. Well, English when English you guys
2: bring that creek-braised uh, Haas Pfeffer, like a creek-braised, <laughs> you know, cherry-beer-braised rabbit uh, like I have enjoyed in Brussels uh, mm-hmm. and around Belgium, yeah. y- please let me know. Will do. <laughs> for sure. Now, so you opened the brewery in 2016, right? And then you opened the brasserie in 2019. Mm-hmm. You guys have some pretty exciting news coming up for 2024. Let's tell some folks about this.
0: Yes. So uh, we are moving the production facility uh, across town. Um, As some people may know, Avid moved to Redmond Mm -hmm. um, from their production space on Wilson. Uh, we need more space we only have about 1500 square feet of uh, wet operation space and we're we've maxed it out and uh we need more space for that so avid was moving we got into their space and we're just about done with um with the construction remodel probably a couple of weeks out i would say we have a new 15 barrel brew house that just went in um so we're getting that cleaned and uh getting ready to basically transition from the space on high desert over to uh 900 Southeast Wilson. I love it. Now, it's interesting because
2: there's so much there, there's always been a lot of movement. As a matter of fact, the Monkless Brasserie was prior uh occupied by Craft Kitchen and Brewery. Yeah. They're in that the Brewer's
0: old, yeah. old, old old Mill Brewworks before that. Oh, exactly. I was yeah. I couldn't it's even
1: remember. Num- yeah. It's been a number of things It's actually. been a number yeah. of things. Yeah.
2: Um but, but before we scare anyone, the browser is not moving. It's staying it's staying put. Staying right where it's Excellent. at. Excellent. Staying right
1: where it's at. So this new facility is really, um, first and foremost, a, a new production facility to make it, um, uh, to help us increase production capacity, make it easier for the guys to do their jobs. Um, we've been really space challenged for the last several years. So it's a, a bit of a... Uh, a conundrum moving equipment around and setting it up to tear it down and move it so you can get more things in and whatnot. So the new space will allow us plenty of space to have everything set up, uh, the canning line fully intact and the bottling line fully intact, and then just shuffling product around. So phase one of that project is really the production side of the brewery. And then phase two of that project, rumor has it anyway, (laughs) Um, will' have a new monkless tap room and event space that is available so you,
2: you say rumor has it but You're not in the rumor mill. You are the rumor mill. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, I guess that's how that works. (laughs) When
2: does the Monkless Abbey open?
1: You know, um, we're... You don't have to
2: give me a date, but is it summer of 2024? We
1: think it's going to be summer of 2024. You know, Um, we've got a lot of work to do with the city of Bend as we begin to approach phase two of this project with the tap room. And so, um, as you know, that can always be a bit of a variable. Um, So we're anxious for that to come online but we think it's going to be summer of 2024
2: and there's no have have you dotted all the i's and crossed all the t's because before when it was avid they even though they had a tap room in the box factory that they are moving out of too right that's a different uh story but they didn't have a tasting room there uh but whereas you guys did actually have a tasting room you wasn't mm-hmm. like your main thing, but you could certainly go into the mm-hmm. uh, monkless Belgian ales brewery where it was and go in and drink some beers. Right.
1: So,
0: yeah, so what we'll be able to do I – mean, so at this point, we um, have our old CC license and uh, TTB, federal um, for that space, um, Oregon Department of Agriculture, we should have next Wednesday, I would say. So at that point, we've gone, we'll be through all of that. And from an OLCC perspective, city perspective, we can do tastings. It'll be a tastings, minor, okay. minor five posting for the yeah. for the time being. Um, so three ounce, three ounce pours, essentially. Um, but then that second phase, as Robin's talking about, then that, that requires a little bit more um, in terms of, you know, uh, um, a little bit more effort uh, that, w- that we have to go through than with the city. So. Gotcha.
2: And, and even then, and I, I just wanted to super quickly mention this, the space that you were in, just because we were thinking about movement and all that, it started off as the 10-barrel, 10 10-barrel's 10 10-barrel 10 system, right. and therefore really it was even their wildfire system. They don't like to mm. talk about it, but we know. <laughs> so it went from wildfire <laughs> to 10-barrel
0: to monkless. Mm. No, but was it someone was, in between? There yeah. was. It, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny. We just <laughs> talked about Old Mill Brew Works. Yeah. Um. The the uh, the brewery before us was brewworks. so it oh, was wow. where I didn't know that's the where they beer were. Beer for Old Mill Brew Works was brewed. Kind of weird, right?
2: And was that open to the public? Do you recall?
0: No. Okay. I think so. And
2: then I I happened to be excited about because waste not want not. Once you guys are fully vacated, the new Terranot Brewery, which is Brian Pica's yeah. new project, and Correct. he of course was the R and D brewer at Ten Barrel. Yep. Uh, so the space, that whole uh, you know brewers district, is not losing a brewery. Right. It's tri- one is, one happens to be transitioning.
1: Right. -hmm. Well, and it's got really good juju, right? That space has really, really good energy. So um, I think Brian's going to do great over there. Excellent. Yeah. Uh,
2: But then also, I want just going back to again jumping around uh, at at the Abbey. Did I? Did you mention that there will be events, or you're you're hoping to be able to do events? What kind of things could we look forward to? Obviously, beer drinking itself is a wonderful event, right? But beyond that, so.
1: (laughs) I, I think one of the one of the problems that we're looking to solve right now is we've got a lot of larger groups, corporate groups, that want to come over to the brasserie and bring forty people and just mm. have like a happy hour and beers and. It, that's not a great space to be – I mean, it's a fabulous space, but it's not really great for a large group to be able to do that. It's not set up super well for it, particularly yeah, when like, you have folks that hard are – to mingle. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard to stand up and mingle because it's kind of a sit-down restaurant. And so um, part of this is with the Abbey will give us a space that we can allow larger groups to come in and reserve it exclusively if they want or share it with the community when we're open for community events. And um, everybody can be stand-up, mingling around. We can pair it with brewery tours and tastings and things like that. We've got a really great relationship with Wonderless Tours, so we're super excited about some new jazzy things that we're going to be doing with them um, as we get that space fully vetted out. And um, ideally, we'll do... We'll have events where you can have catering in there and kind of dine amongst the vessels is is our idea and thought behind things. So, But no sh- mussels
2: among the vessels. You're probably, not going to have a restaurant.
1: No. No mussels <laughs> among the vessels. But catering in the facility, absolutely.
2: Okay. But I could deal with all of that, but it would make me sad that I won't be able to order just a plate of frites. Yeah. Because your frites, I'm going to say it. I'm trying to, I'm like trying to think about this in my head to see if this is true, but it must be true. They're the best fries that I, forgive me for calling them fries, yep. but they're the best fried potato matter, whether you call them frites or fries, in Bend, I'm going to say it.
1: Well, I'm, I, I love that opinion, yeah, right? I mean, it's my
2: opinion that <laughs> that is a fact.
1: <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. We will not have those over at the Abbey though. Gotcha.
2: <laughs> um so production wise, let's talk about this. What has been your you know, I'm sure it kind of vacillates a little bit, but uh is, is the plan to be able to boost your production and therefore possibly also your distribution mm-hmm. with yes. that canning line. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, well we have we have a canning line, bottling line now, mm-hmm. we just have to—we can't do anything else if we're doing that. And then they have to be broken down, and then we can, like, clean kegs, or then we can brew. So it, it will facilitate productivity because we don't have to break those down anymore. They have specific spots where they're set up all the time. But on the side of production, yes, it will—this will increase our capacity. Um, we bought another tank from Avid, a large, bright tank that we can—that we—that we—, that we be very useful for our pilsner and, and whatnot. But we will have more fermentation capacity. Um and it certainly will will be helpful for us moving forward. We've um at this point we've had discussions with um with a distributor in Colorado and another one in Kansas and they both want to move forward with relationships. So that's we're looking at contracts right now and that should be something that will be able to go ahead and help us uh, Get that ball rolling in terms of expanding distribution for this year.
2: I don't believe the pilsner is currently packaged. Is it?
0: It is. It's it in is sixteen ounce four packs. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Excellent. Uh, and is it a German pilsner, a Czech pilsner, or is it a Belgian pilsner? And it's, if it's a Belgian
0: pilsner, what does yeah. that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, we do use a Czech the Czech lager strain uh, yeast strain. To ferment that beer, uh, but it's it was we chose that and Hans Hans Schopener head brewer, um, he developed this recipe. But we kind of worked worked on looking at those strains and and it was probably the one we thought would be best for um, a Belgian style um, pilsner. So Belgian style. So there's um, it's more of a European style pilsner certainly than than your. Uh, American pilsners that you would that you would get or craft pilsners from on the on the on this coast for sure. Uh, we use all noble hops, uh, pearl and saws, late editions of Saws in the Whirlpool, so you get kind of some of that, that noble hop presence that comes through. Um, but you know, a 30 IBU beer. Um, nothing that's 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 gonna be really, really bitter for you. So something where hopefully the yeast can shine a little bit forward as well. Um, so it's uh it definitely we, we we consider it more to be like Stella Artois than you would um say about um than even about um any any American pilsners. Um so or uh, so that's kind of where, where we're it's going.
2: only funny that you that you mentioned Stella because when some people who you know, they're familiar with Stella's marketing and it's from Belgium yeah. and people say, Oh, I like Belgian beers, like Stella, I'm like, eh, that's, but, Yeah, that's that's not a, as you know, it's not, what not super representative, to mind. yeah. It doesn't yeah. have the phenolic character that most Belgian beers no. have, and
0: no, for sure. But it's definitely, it's ours. This would be more like Stella than it would be like Pilsner. Sure. Nurakel, you know, where that has much more of a, a hoppier presence to it. But,
2: Excellent, yeah. I love it. And there's probably, I mean, the fact of the matter is, there just aren't a lot of Belgian forward breweries across America. There are right. many, m- I'd say, most of them have something that fits into you know under that belgian umbrella but very very few probably fewer than 20 right oh, yeah like oh yeah all sure. exclusively
1: well and i think belgian
2: beer you makers. know i
1: i think you and i might have exchanged a few emails about this but um it, honestly i really believe that if there was another Bend Brewery that was focusing at all on Belgian styles consistently, that Monkless Belgian Eels wouldn't be here today. Um, Todd was really trying to solve a problem, mm-hmm. um, and that was that it was he a had- a personal problem. It, it, it was a personal <laughs> problem. <laughs>
2: If you can't find beer <laughs> yeah. for you to drink, that is a personal problem. I mean, he had really fallen
1: sure. in love with all these different kind of Belgian styles on all of his travels. And so coming back and not being able to find that was um, a, a problem for him. And then he decided, OK, I'm I, I'm an organic process chemist, for goodness sake. I ought to be able to make a beer good enough that we're going to like to drink at home. And then it solves the Embarrassment of setting the recycle bin out at the end of the week, and and <laughs> <laughs> you know, all of those kinds of things. Uh, when you've got a Belgian beer, I, I, I don't habit. know
0: why that would have embarrassed you. You never put the recycle,
2: out. <laughs> that's true, but also, even cheaper <laughs> than buying all that Rochefort and Chimay and all those. You know, bottles individually. Yeah. Well,
1: and, and if you get try to get an import keg in, oftentimes they have different connections on them. They're not normal sankey kegs, so it's harder to hook it up. And so when Todd couldn't find it, then he just decided to start brewing it himself. So I
2: love it because that is 100% the origin story of American craft brewing was mm-hmm. people traveling generally around Europe, discovering a unique wide array of beers that simply were not available here in the States, and saying, well, if I can't find this beer, I'm going to learn how to make it. And then their friends and neighbors got used to drinking it and saying over those kind of inebriated nights in the garage, this is so good, <laughs> you should sell this. I would buy this if you, you know, yeah. the neighbors don't want to have to pay for it because, <laughs> you know, they were there from day one. But, right. but the neighbors of the neighbors uh, would be willing to. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. I'm very happy to hear that. Obviously you got bit by the bug, you brought it, you've had success with it and so much so that you are able to expand, uh, the footprint here in Bend and therefore beyond as well. Yeah. yeah thank you. Yeah. We're, uh, we're very blessed. Uh, anything else exciting that you guys have coming up that you want to discuss? You don't need to.
1: <laughs> I was trying to think of exciting things. Um, We've been working on new menu stuff for spring and summer over at the Brasseries. So we're kind of excited about that. we get a little
2: bit of a sneak peek of of a dish that Um... may make its way onto the menu?
1: Not yet. Not uh, yet. But, but I'm guessing
2: it's not Creek Braised Rabbit.
1: It's not Creek Braised yet. Rabbit. However, we were looking at some rabbit. Um, not Creek Braised Rabbit, but... Um,
2: Pesh Braised? Oh, we I don't
1: know. <laughs> w- We'll be, we'll be Goo- fleshing out braised. that menu here in the next six weeks, and then we'll be able to bring that over. So that's been kind of fun and exciting and... Um, And I think we're just, we're so focused on the new brewery right now and trying to get build out done and set up and uh, getting ready for the guys to brew over there that it's been, it's been a lot of work in the last several months getting ready for all this. So,
2: well, Todd and Robin, thank you so much for coming in. I look forward to the Abbey opening and having many plates of frites even before then. (laughs)
1: Thanks for having us, Brian. Cheers.
2: Thank you for listening
1: to the Grand Craft Beer Podcast with yet another voice from Central Oregon's homegrown beer community. We hope you'll share this episode and subscribe so you never miss a beer-soaked conversation. For questions, comments, or suggestions, contact host Brian Yeager via Facebook, Instagram, or X, all with the handle at Grand Craft Beer, all one word. Cheers!